Thanks for joining us again on the Sit Down Startup Podcast. Tara and I bring you inspiring stories from leaders, investors, and makers that are building the future of customer experience. Yes, we do. We typically share with you stories about how these leaders navigate the challenges of building a customer-centric business in a casual coffee shop style conversation. But today, Pedro and I are the ones having coffee. We have something a little different for you as we take a break between seasons. In this episode, we are taking a step back. The leaders on this show have shared a ton of great info about building a company and we noticed a few teams. But before I forget, here's a quick reminder to all of you to connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at the Sit Down Startup handle. Startups are made up of a resilient bunch of people and man was resiliency needed this past year. All around the world, companies of all sizes felt the impact of COVID-19. We learned new terms like essential workers and thought differently about remote working. For a while there, business as we knew it was flipped upside down, no matter what sector you were in. It seems only fitting that we take a moment to look back on some of our guests who were particularly affected by the pandemic, as were their industries as a whole. We are in a unique position as part of the Zendesk for Startup program, and we got to see firsthand how startups responded to COVID-19. Two of our guests in particular had direct and personal insights to share about the impact of the pandemic. We have Rebecca Moore, CEO at Travel NAS, who gave us first-hand experience from the travel industry. Another heavily impacted area was the service industry, which Victor Lebeau, CPO and co-founder of Wavy knows pretty well. Let's start with Travel Nest. It's probably no surprise to you that the travel industry got hit hard this past year. As a reminder, Travel Nest is a European-based startup that helps property owners bring bookings and stats from across more than 30 sites into a single application. Rebecca shared with us how the pandemic affected their customers and business. We connected her with our CEO from EMEA, Peter Laurent, a few months back. Let's hear what she had to say. It was quite a dramatic impact, I think, for any travel business. And just to set a bit of the kind of macro uh, climate for you, uh, certainly in the UK, about 50% of our property portfolios in the UK were actually in 60 markets globally in terms of our, our profile of properties, mostly Europe. Um, uh, the travel sector in the UK is the most highly furloughed sector, with about 73% of the workforce being furloughed, certainly in the first wave of lockdown. It's also got the highest proportion of jobs at risk. So there's data out there that suggests over 70% of jobs in the travel sector are at risk or have already been displaced. And in the UK, the total travel market shrunk by 34 0.4 billion in 2020 uh, against expectations. So, I mean, just to put that in perspective for you, that is the level of impact we've seen at a total market level for travel. And then uh, what's been really interesting is the behaviour within travel has also changed dramatically. So, we, through the first lockdown, saw unprecedented cancellations. Our bookings uh, went down to about 10% of expectations through that period, mostly to support essential workers who had to travel. And uh, we spent a long time doing nothing much other than processing cancellations, which was a you know, pretty hard uh, reality to face. 
And then we actually uh, saw as as we went through that, we conducted a survey to see what the traveller kind of aspirations might be. And we suspected actually, do you know what? Things are going to change fundamentally when we start to open up. We suspect actually vacation rentals and in particular rural ones are going to see a huge um, surge and that was most definitely the case. So when the certainly when the governments of the UK started to open up travel towards kind of end of June, July last year, we had um, we did more than double uh, that month in bookings than we had ever done before. Uh, we were completely rushed off our feet as the entire UK nation tried to cram their summer holidays into about an eight week. Um, period. So we had the entire company have to just stop and help us process all of the bookings and the inquiries that were coming in. Um, and uh, we'd also, what I am really, really proud of through that period is, is how much we have worked to look after our customers. And we deal with all sides of that equation, the guest booking side and obviously the, the hosts that own the properties as well. And it's a very, very worrying time for our customers. Many of them, uh, their holiday property is their sole or significant source of their income. Um, and they had to just completely close their doors. And uh, we were faced with a, a huge uh, list of refunds to issue on their behalf. And when we went into the pandemic, we practiced a policy of we never took, um, held on to our owners funds. We always passed the funds straight through to them when the bookings came through, um, which meant that a lot of those holidays and bookings had been paid for in advance to hosts. So we took the decision to actually shoulder the refunds on behalf, behalf of our hosts so that the travellers were looked after and the travellers weren't feeling aggrieved by what for them was also a very stressful situation and then allowed our hosts to repay that debt when things opened up again out of future bookings to really try and alleviate the impact on them financially. And I think that has stood us in very, very good stead with our customer base. It's actually amazing in situations like this where you get an opportunity to do something really quite special for your customers. Um, if you take that opportunity, it can create, a, I guess, a relationship and a, a level of understanding that you wouldn't normally get to have with your customers so I'm incredibly proud of the team for how we've handled that. What a stressful time. The rate at which customers reach out to get help as the world were changing is something Zendas saw pretty much across the board. But especially for travel, having to support the influx of cancellation requests and responding to people in their time of fear must have been crazy. Which reminds me of when we spoke to Victor Lebeau from Wavy. Wavy is a software startup based in France that builds online tools like payments and scheduling to support beauty service providers, think hairdressers and barbers. Victor is a co-founder and chief product officer, and their industry also experienced a huge increase in cancellations at the beginning of the pandemic. He took some time to speak with our VP of Marketing, Prolinio Dayanchiaki. So, you know, obviously COVID 
uh, we try to get away from the pandemic and we come back into the pandemic and lockdown again, it's really affected the beauty service industry. So how has that actually impacted Wavy's plans and your rollout plans for 2020 as well? Um, exactly. Did Actually, after the, the end of the second lockdown, we did a quick analysis to understand how the COVID crisis impacted our clients. And what we discovered is that between 2019 and 2020, they lost almost 15% uh, of income. But thanks to French government measure, uh, a crisis fund was created and a lot of SMBs were able to uh, get help from that. But the last two years were pretty rough for the retail industry. We had strikes that closed many uh, shops during the weekend, are obviously the rush hours. Uh, and so they ended those years in low cash and right after COVID hit. So on our side, uh, when the first lockdown came in, uh, we had no way to get in touch with potential new customers. So the whole sales team moved to cross-sell and our clients and the demand was very oriented on online booking, but also service to prepare for the reopening. Um, while, doing, while doing this analysis, uh, we also understand that um, we also worked on what was happening with the online booking. What we discovered is that the clients that had um, an online booking system had roughly 20% of their appointment processed online. And after uh, the lockdown, it was more than 45%. So basically at the end of the first and second lockdown, when everyone had super long hair, everyone rushed to the salons and tried to make appointments. So the salons that were not equipped with online booking systems were overwhelmed with demand that they couldn't process, while the other ones were able to scale their organization, were able to fill their agenda. And this problematic scale in the context of COVID is really happening in the salon. Yes, the pandemic really took a toll on startups and small businesses, and the travel and hair care service industry naturally took a hit. I'm sure many of you who are running your own startups can relate to Victor's pain when he described the loss of revenue and not being able to connect with potential new customers. One of the brilliant things about startups, though, is how quickly they adapt to change. In fact, some of our biggest named companies today started during or right after the Great Recession. Uber and Airbnb come to mind. There are definitely a lot of great success stories during times of crisis, financial or otherwise. Startups adapt to change quickly. They have nimble teams and are already in the creative zone as they get their product to market and scale their business. Oftentimes, they have to adjust their thinking to really bring their product or service to life. And startups by nature have a lot of grit. Since we were just on the topic of Wavy and hearing from Victor, let's come back to him and hear how they changed their strategy during difficult times. When we founded the company, we were in Paris and we decided to move in the countryside of Aix-en-Provence in a house that was our office for a year so we could fully focus on the project. And when we started, our only uh, problematic, the only stuff we were focusing on was the product market fits. And when we launched the product, we obviously wanted to make sure that it was validated. When that was done and we were sure that a group of users in our salons were um, 
okay with our MVP and enjoying the tools we were proposing, we focused on growth and month-to-month growth and afterwards hyper-growth. And after a time, we realized that our tool and our processes were not going as fast as our acquisition. So a year and a half ago, we decided to make a switch and customer experience became our number one objective. That required a lot of tooling and much more data to analyze and understand uh, what we were doing with a much more granular uh, analysis. We also introduced our clients in this process to have their feedbacks and make sure we had room for improvements. Regarding the product team, my team, we changed one major thing. It's the feedback loop. And we tried to make sure that we would prioritize the the feeder request and launch those feeder requests at a much faster pace. The roadmap was not oriented on acquisition, but was oriented on client satisfaction and retention. And regarding the organization as a whole, we quite changed how the departments were organized. Um, We merged the marketing, the sales, the account management, and the support into one single department to make sure that we would speak with that one voice and so and also to make sure that we would remove all the silos between those departments. And finally, we had a very useful tool at this moment that were the OKR to make sure that the whole team was aligned under the same objective. And that was specifically important for a non-client facing team like mine. And so the NPS become a very important key result for us because all the team and all the departments could have a huge influence on this result. It's really great that Wavy already had a remote team structure in place. And honestly, I would not mind at all working remotely in the French countryside. Still, I'm impressed with how they became even more efficient. And I'm really impressed that they were able to find a way to cross-sell to their existing customers. Travelness, in comparison, was not working remotely as a team before the pandemic. Rebecca shares how the team responded to this change and how Travelness had to also think differently about what their customers needed now. And on top of it, Rebecca is a mother, board member, and running a business. It's incredible how she handled all of that. Plus, she even got COVID herself. But don't worry, she's fine, fully recovered. Let's hand it back over to Peter to pick up on their conversation. I think there's a saying about it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. And in the travel industry, you've seen high highs and you've seen low lows. How did you manage such a swing, all those that change in pretty short time of space? <laughs> well, um, just to put some, some, I guess, some facts and figures to that swing, what we've really seen in, in the change in behaviours in travellers is um, a shift to rural, um, a shift to vacation rentals and a shift to domestic and all of those three things all play in our favour. Uh, we are a predominantly rural portfolio and the uh, market share of rural properties increased by about 45%. Uh, all of our properties are vacation rentals and the market share of vacation rentals doubled in the space of a year. And then for the, for us being more UK-based, uh, the, the, the UK weather, the UK climate, I'm sure you'll probably know, is not the nicest. And most people try to holiday abroad rather than in the UK. So we actually saw a bump overall in, um, in travel, uh, tourism spends in the UK because we were, it was forced domestic travel. So those three things combined were a huge opportunity for us when, when things started to open up. 
Um, but if we rewind right back to the, the start of the pandemic, um, I actually took up my first ever board position in February 2020 uh, and took up, took up the COO position in February 2020. And as you know, the, the pandemic started to kick in about three to four Great weeks timing. after that. <laughs> yeah. Great so <laughs> to say it's been a baptism of fire is, yeah, somewhat of an understatement. Um, so obviously the first thing I had to do was, uh, together obviously with my leadership team, is um, make sure that we were working from home and we took the call early on that. We tested it thoroughly, made sure all of the systems and tooling was in place and functional and got that set up and got us all working from home. Uh, they say only the paranoid survive and I had this intense paranoia that there is a chance someone in our team could be carrying the virus and whilst we had a lovely office it was essentially one big room that is particularly good at spreading flu, coughs, colds, whatever. Um, so we got us all working from home pretty quickly um, uh, which I'm incredibly glad we did because what actually transpired was the person that was holding carrying the virus was in fact me oh no <laughs> so I came down with all of the symptoms the first day we worked from home um unfortunately that was a Monday so you know we'd had a few days apart and I didn't end up in infecting anybody my whole family came down with it and uh was really quite ill with it for the the two weeks of the acute periods um, initially with the virus. Very worrying time personally uh, for me as very little was known about it then at that point in time, other than it was very dangerous. And then I actually ended up developing long COVID and it came back and it affected my vision, extreme fatigue. So, so on a personal level, it was incredibly difficult managing that, having a four-year-old to parent and, and, and work, and then to also manage the team through things. Um, so after the working from home changes instigated, the other things we had to, to do were also conserve our costs. Uh, and I'm incredibly grateful to the levels of engagement we've seen from our team throughout this. We asked the team to all take a voluntary salary reduction of, of 20%. And we had 100% adoption to that within 24 hours, um, which is just absolutely incredible that the team took that um, approach. And very much everybody's view was, um, we all make a small sacrifice for the greater good so that nobody is out of work in this period. Um, so. So yeah, it shows some great, I guess, moral fibre, commitment to each other and determination to get through this. Uh, we then went through um, the furlough scheme as well and, and um, took, took advantage of that. And at the same time, I had to completely re-engineer all of our customer processes because we were then dealing with an incredibly complex uh, cancellation, rebook, refund scenario um, which had force majeure terms kicking in all over the place and um, very complex uh, terms and conditions depending on what channel we were working with. Um, so, yeah, a, a huge call out to our customer service team through that period as well, who diligently worked through every single one of those, helped our customers and travellers through an incredibly stressful period of time to, to manage logistically through that. And then all of a sudden it all goes, it 
insanely busy. And um, we've got the opposite problem. So we had to very quickly recruit some temps in and train them up to support us. So we'd spent time documenting all of our processes, making sure all the training material was up to date so that we could quickly switch people on uh, and automated quite a bit of our processes as well. Um, and we, we made sure we didn't furlough anyone from our engineering team so that they could keep working away at improving the product, improving the automation and, and making strides for our, our customers and our product. Um, and also raise some more money. So, um, so uh, thanks to all of the cost-cutting measures that we put in place, we ended the first three months of lockdown with the same amount of cash in the business that we had planned to have at that point in time. Uh, however, the thing that had really hurt us was that we were unable to grow during those three months. Uh, we had a very ambitious growth plan and we, we had to switch off all marketing completely um, because any marketing from a travel company through that period was attracting a lot of negative, quite rightly negative attention um, on, the, on, on the social channels. So we switched that all off. Uh, and uh, because of the switching we'd seen in the travel market and, the, and that coming through in terms of bookings, it actually made us a very attractive proposition from a funding perspective. And we raised a follow on of 1.8 million through the, the pandemic, which landed in kind of October, September, October time. Oh, yeah. I'm so glad Rebecca recovered, and no doubt that was a hard time for her company. What strikes me the most about TravelNest and Wavy is their deep connection to their customers. Both of these companies really understand what their customers' needs and pain points are. Without really knowing your customers, how can you change your operation when things get tough? How can you still provide value in uncertain times? Take Victor and Wavy, for example. Customer experience really starts with the team. So the first thing we try to do is that when we onboard newcomers to the company, we try to make sure that they really understand how is it to run a salon, that we share this knowledge of running a salon and being in the skin of a shop owner that has to deal with all those different topics. Um, and once it's done, we also try uh, and make sure that the new information, the communication is very clear. So every Monday during the weekly kickoff, we make sure that the announcements are prepared and organized to make time for changes and adaptation. For my team, it's a special moment to organize the demo and new features and make sure everyone will be ready for the sales speech or the onboarding or even the support and that uh, we have time to get ready for that. Uh, regarding customer experience, there's also a point and a moment in the company, there's a size and a scale where it's also a matter of process and organization. And it can only be top down, even if it has to be led by someone who's managing uh, this project, you also have to rely on the people on the front line who are in touch with the customers. And so um, we have feedback loops for our product, our feature, but we have the same internally. And I truly believe that every single detail that we can resolve or uh, make better will make the whole experience way better. Um, and there's also one last point that is perhaps a little bit uh, cultural at Wavy is that there's not a single week where a founder does not talk with customer. Um, there's a little bias in this that has to be removed, but it's a constant reality check. And I think that's what customer experience is about. 
wish that more companies encouraged their leadership team to talk to their customers. I think that's important no matter how big or small you are. After all, what are you in business for? This makes a big difference in understanding how to pivot when you really need to. And even though they're in different industries, Rebecca and the Travel Nest team did the exact same thing as Wavy. Let's listen to her on this topic. Within our first three months of, of lockdown, as I mentioned, back in kind of April time, we were rolling out a significant people or business change, probably back to back every two weeks, something significant and new was coming along. Uh, some of those messages were incredibly tough, you know, asking everybody to take a pay cut, hugely tough message to deliver, especially when you know you've got some people who are on relatively lower salaries, who are parents, single parents, etc. Um, and we, we got ourselves into a very good, I'd say, kind of rhythm and set of practices about how we did that. Um, first of all, let's front the decision in person, get on a call and explain to everybody why and, and give them as much transparency and detail as you can on the context and the why. And I always find if you can get people to a point where they understand that if they were in your shoes and they were faced with that decision, they would make the same call um, as much as possible. Try and get people to that point um, uh, so that they have a, a level of assurance and confidence in the decisions that you're making and why you're making them. And they can see the part that they can then play in, in helping deliver them. So we always did a, a you know, front, it, front it very directly, either myself or the CEO, um, explain why uh, in, in a lot of detail. And then also cater to the fact that everybody likes to receive these difficult messages in a different way. Some people need to see it face to face. Some people need visual prompts. Some people want to go and read it in detail afterwards. Some people want to have somewhere they can go to ask all their questions. So we always made sure we were catering to all those different communication styles in terms of how people wanted to receive information. Uh, very detailed FAQs would always be prepared in advance leadership team always very well briefed and ready to handle any questions or queries that, that came their way. And also, we always made sure the leadership team had as much time as we could give them to emotionally have their own reaction to things as well. So they were prepared to then support their teams. Um, and we found actually that process worked incredibly well. And the feedback we had from our survey, our staff surveys um, at the end of that lockdown period, we were really, really and proud of in terms of how they they received that, considering how difficult some of the the messaging had been. Uh, but it wasn't all doom and gloom as well. There were some really fun things that came out of it. So, one of the things we initiated on our first ever test work from home day was a, a daily check in with the whole team. And I guess this is one of the benefits of having quite a small team. There's forty two of us in the company is you can get everyone together and have a fairly participatory event with the whole company. So we did these check-ins and we rotated the hosting of it around the entire company. Everybody had to host one um, in succession. Uh, and someone had to set a challenge that morning for people to then do during the day and, and post during the day. They are usually through a medium like Slack, uh, their responses. So... And it could be anything, and it was not work-related in the slightest. So a couple of my, uh, my favourites were find the ugliest ornament, who has the ugliest ornament in their house. <laughs> and another one was um, 
Uh, we've been on your Facebook pages and found the best photos of you dressed up. Guess who these people are in the in the company? Uh, someone did manage to get a photo of me dressed as Jack Sparrow on my uh, Hindu. <laughs> <laughs> but all of these things actually in some ways have helped us learn more about each other socially and personally than we would have done if we were all in an office together. And I think really brought us, brought us close. We managed to do that every day for six months. Um, and then they, they started to get maybe a little bit um, jaded and we were so incredibly busy and life had started to re- resume some sort of normality, m- normality that we, we, we stopped doing them so frequently. But they're back by popular demand now that we're in our uh, quite an intense lockdown uh, situation. Uh, so that's been a fantastic uh, uh, thing that's kept the team morale and spirit up. Um, and then, you know, we've done remote Christmas do's and things like that. Um, and we've been working very hard on getting a regular rhythm to our communications and constant communication, even when there's not much to say. Um, because you can feel a certain level of radio silence when you're working remotely uh, that maybe you don't have in an office environment uh, that, uh, that's important because as soon as things go quiet, people worry even if there's nothing to worry about. Yeah, they'll assume the worst. They'll think you're hiding something. But for me, I think one of the things that's been most important and valuable and, and it's actually one of the things I miss the most about being in the office so I'm trying to replicate other ways to do it is is feeling the pulse of the business from those coffee conversations, water cooler conversations, in the kitchen getting a drink, how's your day going, what's going on with you. Um, I really miss feeling that pulse from the front line. Um, so actually before Christmas, I set up a one-to-one with every single person in the in the company. And there was no agenda to that. It was just a, how are you? How have you been? What's going on with you? Tell me all about life with you. And it's one of the most valuable things I did, I think, through the whole of this lockdown situation. The amount of uh, information I gathered from that around how genuinely people are feeling about our business, about things in general, and tips and tricks and techniques and thoughts about what we could do differently. So we now have a programme of work associated to, to that to really help us uh, invigorate again our, our remote working and um, uh, supporting everybody through a challenging situation. The pandemic is a fierce teacher, but how do you apply the lessons? Startups were in a unique position to adapt quickly as the world was moving and changing fast. These nimble companies were already operating with agility, especially due to how risky their business are. Most important of all, what makes or breaks a startup is their leadership team. The most successful ones were able to practice key lessons that Rebecca and Victor share with us. 100% Pedro, there are three major points to take away here, pandemic or no. Number one, these startup leaders did more listening than talking, especially when it comes to serving their customers and adapting their operations to support the new reality of team dynamics. Like, for example, moving their operations from the office to, well, everywhere. Number two, these leaders also learn faster. By listening to your customers, you have more context to learn faster. And learning and adapting faster was crucial to keeping a business going this last year. And it's crucial in any time. And finally, point number three, they were customer obsessed. 
Even when most of their days were filled with processing cancellation requests, they did not lose sight of how important it is to provide a great experience to their customers. Building a startup is not an easy task. That's why on this show, we bring insights from leaders on their journey to become a successful business. Don't miss our next special episode. But in the meantime, help us grow. Make sure to subscribe on Spotify and leave a review on Apple Music. Stay safe. And hungry. Hungry.